1: What a scream! What a scream! And a fantastic goal! Arsenal back in it! And here's Lippa, lines it up, finds the net. Arsenal in front. <laughs> Horrifying Danny Welbeck injury overshadows meaningless draw on Europa League group stage as podcast host is forced to put aside humorous intro. This is the Arsenal Vision post-match podcast. My name is Elliot Smith, and you can block me on Twitter at Yankee Gunner. Yeah, no smug, humorous, or depending on your perspective, not humorous intro. It really is the story of the game. That is Danny Welbeck suffering uh, really a horrendous injury. The pictures are not ones you want to look at if you can avoid them. Unfortunately, they were sent to me directly, thanks to those of you who did. Uh, but yeah, sad day. We also lost Lick Steiner to a muscular injury. Uh, we'll raise plenty of questions about the group stage of this competition. And here to answer those questions or at least uh, discuss them with me is Paul. You can find him on Twitter at PauseNewMyPants. Hello, Pause
2: little <laughs> freudian pause there yes this is Poznan in your pants
1: yeah did i say it's Poznan in my pants
2: you got all nervous
1: well look a lot of things happen in my pants that make me nervous let's be honest uh and also i this is,
2: will not be happening in your pants
1: thank god for both of us clive. uh, clive's on clive. twitter clive pafc hello clive Hello. Hey, I want to thank everybody who joined us yesterday for our live match commentary. Weirdly, some people seem to like it, so we'll probably do it again in the future. If you missed it, you can always go to arsenalvisionpodcast.com forward slash live and listen to our live audio when we do it. You don't have to download anything. You don't need an app. You don't need to sign in a login. There's nothing. You just stream it right from there if you want. Um, and then we put it up on Patreon it as a recording. Hey, the adults are talking. The adults are talking. So Yeah, Uh, yeah, so I want to thank you for listening to that, because it was was a lot of fun in some ways, and I think we can refine that and do it better. I'm not sure it's a good idea for games that have significance or import about them, but for uh, a game like last night's, it was certainly a good time had by some, and we appreciate you joining us for that. Uh, Tim is not here today because he's recording his uh, pre-Watford preview. It's Wolves, isn't it? yeah mm-hmm. pre-wolves preview uh he has to know i don't have to know because i'm not doing one uh it'll be up on patreon later we want to thank those of you who have signed up and those of you who haven't we want to thank you anyway because you're listening and we love you for that um and then in the spotlight granite shaka we'll be coming to patreon next week an entire episode devoted to this uh, polarizing polarizing individual a player who splits opinion is what i'm told polarizing means says here in dictionary.com in any event uh we have a podcast to do you'll be hearing briefly about enclosedlingerie.com. enclosed as in it's enclosed in a in a package and lingerie as in the beautiful stuff you're going to be getting your wife or girlfriend or partner or whatever it is enclosed com. they rock they save marriages they save relationships and you need to do it you get 35 percent off uh 35 dollars off when you put arsenal at checkout just something to know about anyway let's start um Let's start with the big news, and that's the injury. And Clive, it is devastating. It's devastating to see this happen to Danny Welbeck. Um, Just even putting aside the importance he brings to the squad, just a a wonderfully likable player and a player who is out of contract at the end of the season, making it all the more challenging for him professionally. I want to read to you What Unai Emery had to say, because I think it's kind of touching the way he put it, he said, it's the worst news tonight, this injury. It's clear that we are with him in these minutes. He is a very good person. His commitment with us is very big. He's helped us with his behavior, with his quality, and with his capacity. It's a very big injury for him, for us, for all people who like and love him as a person. Uh, I think that's very well said by a manager still learning the language and... For Danny Welbeck now, it is it is a question as to what happens going forward. What's your reaction to the injury and what it means for the player and club?
3: Yeah, there's only one reaction. That's extreme sadness, really. And um, you can, you know, players do polarize opinion. But I suppose whether you respect his game or not, almost every fan can see that this guy is a nice guy. And um, and when nice guys get hurt, you you, you immediately go to the human side. Uh, he's a human story, really, and um, he's had a real rough go, you know, he, he's had a number of injuries that so have been quite unusual, you know, he has uh, knee problems, bone problems, and he has like a sort of like a meniscus stroke, you know, ligament problem, just tackling back, and it's so innocuous injuries have taken so many games from him. And, um, the window of an athlete is very, very small when you're in your peak years. And he's lost a couple of years of football due to innocuous injuries. And here comes another, I'm guessing, at four to six months. And, um, yeah, it's a real shame on the human side for somebody that does not deserve it. And, um, on the football side, I think it's a a major, major blow for our squad, um, to be able to say you've got Danny Welbeck as your third forward is a is a big thing and i think is a is a major part of Arsenal's efficiency and and goals in the area because we are able to lay power down and speed and and presence for the full 90 minutes every game with two strikers on the pitch minimum and we're not going to be able to do that now we're going to be reliant on attacking midfielders having an impact in the box and having the personality in the box to deliver and I think it's going to be a major challenge in the multi-competitions we're going to have to approach and um, I'm, I'm looking for silver linings here and, and may, there isn't what happened last night could potentially impact the Spurs game December 19th It'll impact the latter stage of the Europa League, and it's going to impact the Christmas period when we load games up in a small, in a small period. And I think this is going to really challenge this consistency that we are developing this season. And, uh, yeah, I am absolutely gutted.
1: Yeah, as a human interest story, it's terrible. Um, as a as a football story for Arsenal and the player, it is terrible. I think the thing that's so hard is he has so much energy and he does so many things that make the opposition uncomfortable that he is such a loss late in games when when we're chasing a game or trying to keep a game and the opposition is tired and his energy is so difficult to deal with. And I'm going to make a comparison that's going to seem maybe a little bit unfair, uh, maybe not generous enough to Welbeck, but he is kind of our Marilyn Fellaini. And what I mean by that is He is not the most skillful player at the club. I think it is fair to say that. You know, some people might say that harsh, but I think it's fair. But he is a player that we use, similar in the way to what Mourinho does with Delaney, who we bring on, and wherever we play him across that front three, he causes problems with his physicality, his burst of pace, his leap, his aerial ability, his strength to hold on to the ball. He's, he's not the most elegant player, but what he can do makes the opposition uncomfortable. They surely don't like seeing him come on late, and I think that's a big loss for us. A, a player whose physical abilities just create discomfort for the opposition, and whoever winds up taking that role, whether Nketiah gets more playing time as a true number nine, or whether we see Ramsey play more in wide forward positions and substitute roles, or Emil Smith-Rowe gets more time, we lose a lot of physicality and, and athleticism in losing Welbeck, and I think athleticism is becoming increasingly important at the top level of football and and it's a shame and to your point clive i think later in these in the rounds of the europa league maybe not semi-final final final, but early group stages the holiday period he is someone who would have played a lot and and playing against tired legs in the holiday period he would have been very tough to handle that's all academic now paul let me ask you something that may seem callous to discuss at this time not Um, for you No, as you know, very little is callous on me. Uh, Smooth as a baby's bottom, quite frankly. Um, Do do you think that this maybe gives other players pause when thinking about playing for that lucrative Bosman? I mean, it is, obviously, look, that is not the priority. I get it, but we're doing a podcast. We we discuss things. It is what it is. I mean, um, Welbeck is now going to be out of contract coming off a really horrific injury with question marks about what he's able to offer another team. And it may affect the caliber of team that's in for him and the amount of money they want to spend on him. Is this a little bit of a warning for players that a Bosman is not necessarily just, um, you know, the, the end of the rainbow.
2: Yeah, uh, it must be, I mean, Ramsey must look at this and realize he's not the world's most, uh, secure physical structure. Um, but, he, his his bed is is made to lie in at this point. Ma- maybe it impacts a little bit whether he does something at Christmas or not, or et cetera.
1: It would probably um, have to be in January. There's there's no window at Christmas. I mean, he might yeah. spend Christmas with his family, but yeah.
2: He he's actually of African descent because of the rhino. So it's it's Kwanzaa. You racist bastard!
1: <laughs> I think I think you just made your own bed and you can lie in it. So <laughs> you just keep talking until the stink wears off. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, but my point
2: is that I'm trying to get to is young men have a tendency to think they're immortal. So I think most of these players will probably, st- you know, it, it was always a factor for them. I don't think they'll change this to, change their thinking too much. They'll look at well back and say, well, he's injury prone as young men tend to do won't happen to me, but who may, may make think a little bit as their agents, because those guys are in their forties and fifties and stuff have seen things happen And, uh, you know, their job is to count the bills. So it it probably will be a a shot across the bows for players across uh, football uh, for the next six to 12 months. But I don't think it'll really change anything. So one thing I did want to say about what Clive said, um, which kind of moved me a little bit, not, not, not so much what Clive said, but what I thought about. Uh, I moved myself no, C- with my Cl- thoughts. Clive's
1: comments weren't moving whatsoever. But what did you think of that was moving and intelligent? That's <laughs> yeah. what we're really curious about, Paul.
2: I kind of moved myself when I was thinking, while Clive was talking, that one of the nice things if Danny were kind of to hear what's been said about him here and in other places is we start off by saying he's a great guy and everything. Well, we would have said that at the end of the summer too. But now what we can say is actually it's a significant loss which we might think, yeah. oh, well, oh, well, that's kind of, uh, you know, pounds and pence. But it's from his standpoint, in a space of a very short time, he's changed a lot of minds on how important he was to this squad. I think everybody on, on this pod, because we're like super, super smart, uh, rated him highly going into this season and thought Emery would think he was a real asset once he got to know him. Well, he is a real asset for all the reasons Clive and you talked about. So, yeah, it, it, it's from his standpoint, he already knows people like him. Uh, the one thing he comes out of this quarter of the season is knowing that again in a short period of time he established himself as a significant. Maybe he'll always be a squad player, but he's a he's probably the most useful bloody uh, squad player around. You know, when we discuss who should be in a big, big uh, four or a top four or top six team, he's probably not a starter for anybody, but. As a squad player, he's a a squad member for pretty much any top six team.
1: I think going forward, you can do a lot worse than to have real physical specimens who are supremely athletic as guys that come off the bench for you and are options for you in the attack. I think those kinds of players, I mean, because look, you're not going to have Messi and Ronaldo on the bench. You're not necessarily going to have players like Santi Cazorla, who are supremely technically gifted. Those tend to be starters, you know, those, those exceptional technically talented players, but the real athletes, the just physical specimens who can run and cause problems. I mean, that that is an asset to have on the bench, and we don't have a lot of that physicality and athleticism uh, on the bench outside of him. So I yeah, think that yeah. that is a big loss. I mean, Clive, I'll let you come in on that because then I I do have a question I want to get to just about the the approach to this competition in general.
3: Yeah, I think. Um... Maybe as fans, I just throw something out there to get people thinking. I mean, the concept of starting and finishing is 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 changing, right? So, Aubameyang is uh, October player of the month in the Premier League, and he made one Premier League start. He's top scorer in, in the league, and he got his goals off the bench. You know, I'm a big rugby fan, and you have, you know, you have eight substitutes in rugby. I know it's quite a lot, but. You have starters and finishers, and the finishers role is almost seen as equally as important as the starters role. And I think that's where Emery's really benefited and really done well. He's recognised that you need a certain energy at the start of the game and a certain energy at the end of the game. And all the players are part of that. And I I think uh, everyone keeps assuming that Velvet wants to go away and start somewhere. Well, mm. you can have 25, 30 games in a 60-game season playing for Arsenal, or... The forty games playing for Crystal Palace. I know which one I would choose, right? So, um, is, is, it, the is it the
1: games for Crystal Palace? No, I'd no. Choose the okay. Games I, for Okay, I, I got that mate, wrong. And, uh, My bad. My bad. And, uh, I think
2: I, I'm with you, Clive, because we've also seen people who made the move to a Crystal Palace or whatever for their forty or fifty games and still get benched. So, yeah, exactly.
3: It doesn't, he, it doesn't. it doesn't. He's mean good it here. Yeah, he's, he's good, good here. He's good here. He's good, and uh, and he's good for the dressing rooms. Obviously, he's well lights within the club there are people saying he's one of the most popular players the last do you think 10, we'll re-sign him years.
1: i mean he's not going to have a lot <sighs> of suitors would be my guess do you think we'll re-sign him on something approaching a reasonable fee uh,
3: uh this, is, this, inch, this this injury he will fully recover from and he this is not somebody that's carrying a couple of chins he's like an adonis for christ's sake right which means he lives perfectly right so um uh you saw, you saw you saw my camera shot yesterday and trust me we're not we're not exactly the same
1: so um paul do you want to make so, the chinese right. phone book joke or is that is that beyond the pale for you when it comes to Yeah, it's,
3: it's, it's beyond the pale, right? okay. so, uh, so basically so this is somebody that's come back from two or three major injuries and he has come back the same if not if not better so he understands about rehab and recovery and has to look after himself and so i i always just he's 27 he's not 37 so he's got plenty of time to come back the rumors you know just from reading twitter today from people on the medical side like ben Dinnery say full recovery full recovery the operation's done dislocation's back in back in place away we go it's a fracture it's all, about, it's all about ligament damage you're much worse off with the type of um Anterior cruciate, where you lose ooh, maybe a couple ooh, of ligaments. They're the ones that are Don't really say
1: fun. that, Clive. I got to stop you because Paul ripped into me yesterday when I said, let's hope that's a break and not ligament damage. And he said, you fucker, you're hoping for a broken bone for our player.
3: Yeah, broken bone is clean, right? Exactly. Thank back. you. You can, thank you can build you. muscle quickly. With ligaments, you, you lose something there. When you talk about ligament replacement and ligament trimming and things like that, that's major. Are like, you listening, major. Paul? That's are you hearing this? That's what. That's it what was Oxfade just a flesh wound. I don't know what
2: sorcery and witchcraft you wafted over him yesterday. Also, on the chins thing, uh, I think. No, Clive don't. don't. I, 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 was, I was
1: expressly saying it so you wouldn't.
2: Please. No, I'm not going to do that. I was just going to say life can be so unfair. How it hands out the talents. Clive's got three chins. You've barely got one, Elliot. <laughs> what?
1: I've got a monster of a chin. I've got, I've got a, a, a masculine chin. So, some, would, go. some would say I've been carved out of granite. Uh, not granite. Shaka. I wasn't like carved out of granite shaka. That's gross. That's yuck. Like if I had pieces of him. Like like if it was yeah. Silence of the Lambs and I had pieces of granite shaka all over my body. Um, the lambs, hey, so Paul, let's get into the hysterics. Go. I have said before this happened that I just feel this, first of all, let me back up. I think this competition at the group stage is a joke. I'm glad we have it, better than nothing, and I think in the knockout rounds it can get interesting, and certainly by the semifinal and final, you know, you have something real to play for. But the group stage, the quality of it is beyond horrible. I don't think Sporting had a shot on target. They might have had one, I think we had two. Um, Can
2: anybody remember a worse performance against us?
1: No, I'm, I mean, they yeah, we'll say, they we'll offered say, nothing. And and to be fair, for the first half, I thought we offered very little. Now, we will come on to the performance. There's a couple of little things we can talk about with it. But before we do, I mean, Paul, I, I have always said this is a competition. You just play the kids, and they're probably good enough to get you out of the group, and that's job done. I know you and Clive have both disagreed with me. Mm-hmm. Given the Licksteiner and Welbeck injury, you know, one more serious than the other, obviously, I mean— do you have pause to reconsider whether guys like Obamiyang and Awobi and, and Holding and Mustafi should be out there for this competition?
2: Uh, do I have pause? Yes, today after yesterday. But overall, I don't know. I mean, Licksteiners 35 and something or other, and the hardest working position in Emery's teams tend to be at fullback. Um, and, you know, he's not playing that much. He has to play enough to be fit and ready to go. So you know, if, if he ain't playing last night, you know, why did he come? Because he's, you know, he's back up to Bellerin. Um, and then on the other side of it, Danny, uh, I don't think he got injured because he's overplayed. I think he, he always reminds me, he's the one player that kind of hits me as kind of like a thoroughbred, thoroughbred like highly strong uh, physically where those, that kind of comes a little bit with his territory, sadly to say. I mean, he's had some unpleasant injuries and i just think he has that tendency and yeah the best way to preserve him a player like danny is to use him only when you need him but he's still got to be ready to go when he goes so i don't know what you do about that i mean he doesn't want to be sitting on the bench and I, i i don't mean that from the sense of uh you know he's he's not he's uh He's not mature enough to know when to play or not. I mean, footballers need to play to a certain level. He hasn't played that much, so he's got to be ready when he comes off the bench. No, that, so we,
1: That's fair. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I kind of get it with the guys who are third sub in the Premier League, maybe second sub or below. But like the Aubameyangs, the Awobis, the Mctarians the Holdings, you know, that's guy, fair. guys who that's fair. are essential parts of the first team you know regularly in the and are getting plenty
2: of minutes yes
1: and there's lots of minutes ahead I mean I you know I'm not trying to kill Emery for this and injuries can happen anywhere I get that you know the the Welbeck injury is not a factor of being overplayed the Licksteiner injury I mean I'll say it I don't particularly care I mean the guy is there to be fodder for these competitions that's why he's there so if he gets a hamstring injury doing this so be it. We look short of Had fullbacks. Had he not
2: been bent over doing uh, Emil smith Rose laces for uh, one minute and 20 seconds, he mightn't have done that hammy in.
1: Yeah. Yep. That's that's a really, really good point. Well made, Paul. Uh, Clive, let, let's try to get onto the performance a little bit, seeing as how we're 20 minutes in, and in typical Arsenal Vision post-match podcast fashion, we have discussed making this a 40-minute podcast and have yet to discuss the game. I'm going <laughs> to do the obvious thing here and skip the first half. I mean, are you fine? I literally think the yes. first half essentially didn't happen. I mean, it was... If you showed me the video of it, I would suggest that maybe it was a, it was a simulation because it, nothing happened. The second half, I yeah. thought we actually started to play some good football. Sporting threw themselves to the ground, and they kicked us, and they were basically, you know, housing cunts, but, like, it did pull more out of us, and there were some performances that I think were creditable, and I want to start with Aaron Ramsey, actually, because... Being your least favorite player at the club and one that you want to see either flogged or benched, I think we should discuss what ultimately was a pretty bright performance from him second half. Did you see enough from him during that period to think? Now, again, he made a few mistakes towards the end. He tried to overcomplicate it when simple would have been better. Guendouzi was furious with him for missing him late in the game. But was this a glimmer or a glimpse of of maybe an improvement from Ramsey that, that gives you some hope that he can still be usable for us?
3: He can still be usable. He's a very experienced player, and he's a very talented player. He, I've been very consistent with him, Elliot. It's, it's always been about style with him. And the reason why I get frustrated with him is he's one of those players that can actually play like he did yesterday, behind the ball. as a two pivot. He can play right in a three. He can play left in the three. He can be one of the three fours. He can play ten. And he is an all-round midfield player. And I actually think that's been to his detriment, and I've said to you, I really feel he needed Emery to come into his career maybe three or four years ago, when he could actually start to learn tactically about the game. It wasn't about physicality, it wasn't about personality, this was about tactical education about what the role requires. And I've always felt he's he does things that suit him and his game rather than the team's game. But that's okay probably in the previous regime where individuality was our system and he was one of those individuals that was fighting with other individuals to be the individual. And that's been the makeup of our team for the last few years. We have very strong individual personalities like Jack, like, like Alexis, a little bit of Erzil and Ramsey fighting for a bit of turf. Right, fighting to be the person to lead the team technically and maybe Shaka up to a point in a slightly different way and, and I've looked and I've thought you know what mate you could do it all you can be defensively disciplined if you want to be but you you, you don't hold it for 90 minutes and we saw a glimpse obviously Henry's ever wanted to be one of the two and I thought he really tried to play like Shakira and Torreira have played and their pos- and positioning. And I thought he really tried. Now that's not his game and he probably felt he had a poor game but at least we could see where he was standing. At least we could see what he was doing. As Sporting offered no, no threat at all. He got forward a bit more, which is his right and he tried to do a few tricks in the box. And it's quite interesting, the reaction on social media was very impatient and that tells you something that People have now seen something else in centre midfield. People have now seen a, a competitor for centre midfield. And I think for more fans than probably at the start of the season, the patience is wearing thin on him. And um, But yeah, I, I personally would like to see Arsenal move past him because I'm sick of debating him. I'm sick of debating him online. I don't think he's going to improve. And I think there's so much talent out there in the world that we could bring in with a much greater ceiling that could benefit this team and benefit where we're heading. I mean, so, you're going
1: to get your wish. It's you know, it's only a matter of time now. So it's it's kind of a moot yeah. Point.
3: I, look, it's not personal. It's not personal. You know, it's not personal. It's just his football. It's his Arsenal football club, right? And I think if you hold someone for ten years and we're still debating him, it's time to think differently.
1: Yeah, that's fair. And look, I'm not saying this performance was going to get him on the Ballon d'Or shortlist. I'm just saying for a player who has looked increasingly. Uh, ill-fitted in Emery's system and not particularly engaged in what we're doing when he's on the pitch. And I'm not talking about effort or trying. I'm talking about just being sort of clued into his role. I thought mm. the second half of this game, he sort of livened up to it. And everybody did. So maybe it was just that a rising tide lifts all boats. Paul, I'm going to give you an ignominious opportunity here, an ignominious job. And then I'm going to go back to Clive with something of value. Um, mm. <laughs> go ahead, Paul. This is your chance. Is this
2: about the chin?
1: It's not about my granite, uh, masculine, uh, Adonis-like chin. It is your chance to defend your boy, Carl Jenkinson. <laughs> go, go defend your boy, Carl Jenkinson, Paul. If you missed it's it during our live affair. commentary yesterday, Paul had his one chance ever to criticize an Arsenal player. Nope. He went to bat for Carl Jenkinson. If you haven't seen a GIF or a video of his attempted volley in this match, You have to run to the internet and find it. Uh, I have retweeted it, certainly. It's a beauty. Swing and a miss, but it kind of hits off his foot sideways, goes backwards. It it does go the opposite direction of the goal. Um, And what's just amazing is for him to try a piece of skill like that. I love the confidence. I like Carl Jenkinson as an Arsenal fan. I don't like Carl Jenkinson as an Arsenal player. So, Paul, I mean, when he came off, all kidding aside, and Kolasinac came on, that coincided with you know, our ascendancy and, and the match improving because as we previously discussed, the importance of fullbacks. But do you have anything you'd like to add about Carl Jenkinson?
2: <laughs> I've been completely misrepresent. Look, it's very fair that I find it, that I have a massive tendency to try and find a way forward for players who wear the red. There's just no two ways about it. I did not exactly represent Carl Jenkinson as uh, having a future at Arsenal. I said... Perhaps what we were trying to do was get a fee for him. So if that's defending him, if that's that's a ridiculous overestimate, so be it. Look, I also think he didn't have a totally terrible game. There was a, he had a terrible volley and attempted shot. Outside of that. He was, a, I mean,
1: that you know, ba- that was cross was his... bad. I mean, you don't think so? I thought it was just stand it up to the back post and let Aubameyang nod it in. It wasn't you know, uncovered.
2: I, but you thought it was a travesty against football. I mean, it was a
1: travesty just, against football. Yes,
2: it was his left foot, and he's a right footed, right footed fullback playing for almost the first time ever on the left for Arsenal. So you know, it was no big deal. He was, he what was okay. You, what, what kind of football are you when sporting? both
1: of your feet are just for standing on? <laughs> Yeah. I mean let's move on. I'll give this to you, Paul, because that's not fair. Th- this is a question I was going to direct to Clive and he can come in on it as well. But real quick. Yeah. Um as the game intensified and as we started to have more command of the ball mm-hmm. in their final third, not that we were ever under the cosh at all, but we were playing deeper for a lot of the game, and then we started to get the ball into their final third and camp out there the last twenty minutes or so, I thought Ganduzi came to life and really impressed. I just notice more and more and more that he's a player who seems to be better the closer he gets to goal. And I'm starting to wonder, you know, he can do this central midfield role, but have we maybe missed the qualities of this player? Is there maybe more of an attacking third player in there, you know, a, a modern number 10 than, than a, a 6 or an 8? I yeah, think no. he's still
2: in... Oh. Uh,
1: no, Paul, Paul's going to take this real quick because yeah, I was sorry, unfair. I, sorry, all all sorry. I did was let, let it, uh, beat him up <laughs> about Jenkinson. You'll definitely get a chance sorry, to come in sorry, on sorry. this.
3: Saw him out. him out.
2: Look, I'll get. I'll
1: I'll give you the long.
2: Let you do the long version, Clive. Look, I th- I think he looks a very interesting number eight, much more than a six. Um, I think it's a testament to the young man's uh ad- adaption to Emory's system that Emory would trust him in all these. Uh, positions, but to me he's he's an eight. I'm I haven't seen enough as you have to see a ten in him yet. Not against it, but I think he's an eight. I think he's very good going from deep and connecting the play. I think he's got good vision. I don't know if he really has the speed and trickery, of quick decision making, to be a ten. Um, that seems like a stretch, but I'm open to it. So, um, I do think actually. Even with Carl Jenkinson in the side yesterday, and this is not a defense of Carl Jenkinson, but only slightly, uh, we were really actually playing pretty decent football without any great finishing for most of the second half. I did actually go back and look at it, and and it does improve with a little age. And it's quite interesting to see uh, Genduzzi and Ramsey pair up. Uh, I wouldn't like to see it too often, but against Sporting, they managed to uh, create a coherent pairing. Uh, they'll probably get ripped asunder against uh, a bigger, more demanding, more pressing team, and it's interesting seeing Emil Rose Smith up front with um, Smith Rowe, yeah. Gang. Whatever you I mean, you say, Tomato. I, mean Smith I say Roe. Smith Rowe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in terms of creating a pressing unit with Ganduzi and Ramsey behind, so although it's a shit game, it creates an interesting problem to make something happen, and it's it's not as terrible a game to watch second time round as it seemed to be the first time.
1: All right, Clive, you want to expand on my apparently totally incorrect assertion that Ganduzi could be better closer to goal?
3: Yeah, yeah, you think correct and Paul's spot on. He's a he's an eight, he's a second midfielder in there. And what I what I like about him, and we've got it in Shaka as well, he's got that personality to lead the team. He mm-hmm. wants to lead the lead the offensive side and he wants to get us going. He wants to take responsibility. And Torrera's got the same psycholo- psychology, sorry. He's got that and I'm, I'm watching this game and it's, uh, we were watching it on last night as we were talking and I'm watching this kid just absolutely, really want the victory. Putting the ball down and restarts, chasing his past, trying to make something happen. Taking responsibility. You want that in the middle of your team, not at the top end of your team. You want that in the middle. I, I think his, his star is rising. And this isn't like, oh, we got a new sign in. Um, let me just talk about it because he's new and he's fresh. I'm projecting forward here. This guy's 19. He's 19. And he's walked into Arsenal Football Club. And his personality is dominant. It's dominant in games. He is leading the team. He's more dominant than Mkhitaryan is. He was more dominant than Ramsey, who's seen off other players and been more dominant. He saw off oxlade Chamberlain, he saw off Jack Wilshere, and he nearly saw off Mesut Ozil, and he saw off Alexis Sanchez. He saw him off, right? He, I'm the dominant person here. I don't care what you lot are doing. I'm gonna do what I'm gonna do. Gwen coming, came in, stood next to Ramsey, centre midfield, and I can only see one player. I could only see one player. I couldn't tell my eyes off him. And that's down to what he's doing. He is getting the respect of... Everybody around him, and he's demanding things. To everybody around him, and he grows can... into every game and every situation, doesn't he? He does, and he's not perfect, Paul. He, we, yeah. well, it is, he's not perfect, but my goodness, he's been at this club two, three months. I mean, what is going on here? What is going on to have this level of impact? And I know some of the opposition he's played against has not been the most stellar opposition, but he's still doing it now you look think back to some of the other players that we've been watching come in over the last few years and and i don't think they've had a similar personality impact to the team and i think he's really a shining light for young players to say this is how you join the club this is what you do so i'm looking at Maitland niles i'm looking at nelson when he comes back i'm looking at smith rowe and potentially in in a year maybe or so you're looking at young chris Willard. and these are the next ones off the rank and then you look at where Iwobia and Gwenduzi are now with Torreira, and they are a, a nice little tight group with better in similar ages between 19 and 22, 23. And I like them all. I generally like them all, and I, and I think they bring a lot of personality, physicality, speed, technique. I think Smith Rowe, if anything, I think he dropped a little bit lately in the last couple of games. I actually think. I know, I know he's playing the 10 a and we can sort of hide him in there. If he gets popped, it doesn't matter. And um, But if he just gets near the goal, it's great for his confidence and he's scoring. But I think physically he's found it quite tough. He would have come off yesterday if he wasn't for the injury, I'm sure of it. And Eddie would have come on for him. So he's I still just, developing. I just have
2: the game playing now, Clive. It's at 62 minutes. And, yeah, he. I'm watching him walking around the front when Yeah. he, he, he should be, you know, 62 minutes into a game playing for Arsenal, he should be hunting down everything he's within 15 yards of and he's kind of strolling back from an offside position. I'm like, what are you doing, boy?
3: Yeah, he's learning, mate. He's learning. He's sometimes sometimes yeah. with my own son, sometimes you've got to learn how to pace yourself. You know, he blows himself out, makes five runs in the first half, then goes dizzy for about five, ten minutes, and he comes back again. <laughs> and it's like I say to him, mate, you make a run long, then make a short run inside. You know, Cause your man some problems. Don't make the same run. You're on a train track up and down the line. You know, you've got to vary your game. And uh, I think Smith Rowe, he's just out there, and he's busting a guy in front of the whole crowd. And I just think he blew up. And that's, that's fine, yeah. right? He's 18. You know, last January, I think he was playing against Colchester in the FA Youth Cup and looking very childish. Now he's a, yeah. now it's eight months later, nine months later, he's in the Arsenal first senior Europa League looking like a man. He's looking strapping and he's developing. And it's all happening for him. I just think we've got to be a bit patient. It won't happen like by tomorrow.
2: And I think Willock had a stormer against Forest Green like two days ago or something. I don't know if you saw anything on that, but yeah, maybe there's life in him. I mean I mean it absolutely played out of the socks.
3: Yeah, you know what, Paul, when Willock was um the one that was selected ahead of people like Ben Sheaf and Marcus McGwain and people like that, I was thinking, Well what's going on here? I don't see much in him. I don't Agreed. see it. Yep. And I'm thinking so I started to watch it more closely and this is about, about development, how it's so hard to read, I'm thinking, McGwain and Sheaf, they're better than him. Why why aren't they getting the opportunity? And then and I saw that I've seen some clips this season. He just seems to have gone on a bundle, right? And um, yeah, yeah. so next year now we've got a problem again because he's obviously going to be too good for the twenty threes. So what are we going to do with him? Are we is he going to come into the squad or does he need to go somewhere? And uh, it depends what we do with Maitland-Niles. He may have to go somewhere. So let's see what happens.
1: Okay, hang on. I'm just cross our right, Discuss Maitland-Niles, check. Discuss Smith-Rowe, check. Just tearing up the running order here. No problem. Just give me one sec. Oh, okay, okay, done. Great. So you know what? We'll take that break now. We'll come back with 10 final minutes. Um, we're going to tell you about a, a really fantastic service that you don't want to miss. So stay with us. We're going to come back with more of this free-flowing jazzercise, this, this uh, beat poetry that we're doing here called the Arsenal Vision Post-Match Podcast right after this. Okay, time to tell you about our friends at The Enclosed. You can find them on Twitter at The Enclosed, but you can find them on the internet at enclosedlingerie.com. That's enclosed, E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D. Like, you know, it's enclosed in a package. And lingerie, the beautiful gift you give to your spouse, your partner, your loved one, uh, with whom you want to deepen and widen the romantic connection you have. This is really high-end stuff. This is not department store stuff. They have a 100% size guarantee, so you don't have to worry about fit. That's taken care of. Uh, I am married. I have a toddler. My relationship uh, is a good one. I am I am thankful for that. But I can tell you that uh, having that child and watching the relationship grow, you really have to focus on being a couple again. And this is the kind of thing that every month reminds you uh, of the romance in that relationship, of the intimacy in that relationship. And it's something that I think is a great gesture of uh, your commitment, your love, and certainly a gift that will stand out. It's not just flowers. It's not the same old thing. And the great thing is... It's every month, so it's something to really look forward to. You should go check them out at EnclosedLingerie.com. Enclosed, E-N-C-L-O-S-E-D, Lingerie, L-I-N-G-E-R-I-E, I -I I believe, dot com. Enter Arsenal at checkout for $35 off the gift of your choice. Perfect holiday gift and uh, the gift of a more romantic relationship. So go ahead and do that now. EnclosedLingerie.com. Enter Arsenal at checkout for $35 off. Okay, we're back. I've got Clive and Paul here. Uh, They can certainly weigh in on our sponsor. I will tell you, by the way, I did that sponsor reading uh, off the top of my head and in one take, so I'm really quite Uh, proud of that. I
2: can tell you, Elliot, I was ever, ever so good there. I counted six or seven... Double entendres that I just had to. They're not bite double my entendres tongue. when
1: you're talking about sexy clothing for your lady. They're they're entendres. They're intended. It's meant to be there was about sex. Including my
2: package, there was the fact that you had a toddler. Oh, don't be putting yourself down, Elliot. I'm sure they have a size for you. It just oh, it, it was the gift. So, the so okay, so Can
1: I make a point real quick? Yeah. You actually didn't bite your tongue because you've just gone and thrown them all in there. <laughs> so mission accomplished, Paul. But but don't seriously, I mean the that, sponsor. that's yeah. some good examples. Contemporaneous uh, uh, marketing work there, yeah, yeah. Hastening, uh harkening back to my my profession, my chosen profession. Um, okay, let's do this. Let's spend eight minutes wrapping up on this game. Uh, one player we haven't touched on yet, Paul, is Miktarian. Mm. what a difficult player to evaluate I looked at uh, Scott's by the numbers column and I I felt for him that he had to write a by the numbers column for this but Mikatarian let us in offensive value added let us in so many statistics to me it was one of those games where it's a nearly game for him it just didn't quite come off and yet he's always seeming to be on the ball seeming to be where the action is and just not quite getting it right is that how you see it with him at the the moment
2: yeah and I as I said uh, the other day, I mean, I didn't have him down as a confidence player, but but maybe there is a confidence thing with him. They said it at United and maybe the fact that he's been out of the first team for a little bit. But this game and the previous game uh, against Liverpool, he's doing all the right things. He's doing what you want him to do. He's a bit hit and miss and at the moment he's hit, missing more than he's hitting. But still, he could have been on for an assist had Aubameyang not hit the crossbar, but Got it under the crossbar. Um, he did a lot of good things. He was busy. Uh, had a few giveaways, careless balls. So yeah, um, he, he's a player that I really like or really want to like uh, for us right at this point in time. Uh, with Danny out, um, he's going to be even more important because he's he you know he's one of we don't have too many wide players at this point. We don't we really don't have any. Truly getting behind them forwards beyond uh, Yang and maybe a bit of Lacazette. So uh, he's next up, really. Uwobi seems to play from a little deeper. So he's going to be very important to us. But hopefully that'll add to his confidence by adding to his minutes. So um, he's had an interesting phase and a very busy period, as you mentioned, coming up. So he'll get the minutes. Hopefully that solves the problem with the confidence.
1: Do you have any thoughts on Mkhitaryan, Clive? I imagine you do.
3: Yeah, I think um, it's all about start points with, with somebody like him. I think um, between the three of us, we, we may have slightly differing views. I think some of that's from the start point by which we view him from. You know, So I haven't got massive expectations upon him. I like the player from a technical standpoint. I, I struggle to read him. I'm I'm into reading players psychologically, right? So I, I struggle with him psychologically. Um, but from a technical standpoint and a physical standpoint, and he is very rounded. He's got two feet. He's quick. He can work on the ball. He can dribble with it. He can carry it. And also when he can defend. So he is a modern footballer. The only thing is it's he's, he's, he's a box of bevels. Right? I'm not sure what you're going to get. You just don't know what you're going to get when you put your hand in. And, and I think... That's for that frustrates people. So, like, you know, he could well be picked on Sunday. He could well be on the bench. I'm not sure he cares either way because I can't, I can't get to him. I can't see what, what he cares about. Right, but when he plays, he does quite well. Sometimes he does really well. He never does really badly, but sometimes he sometimes doesn't quite meet your expectations. But then I say, what are those expectations? What are we basing it on? Can you tell me that one stellar performance that he's had that we that creates a benchmark, or is he just a decent player? Then you look at the wider package. You look at his. salary. <laughs> Salary, then you think, okay, he might. He's getting close to 180, 200 a week. Are we getting value? Probably not. Is his salary linked to Alexis? Probably yes. So we have this mishmash of a player that drives different, different opinions. And I think sometimes when people get confused about a player like that, they just say, just move him on, get somebody that I know, understand, create room for somebody else. Blah blah blah. It's gonna be an interesting time for him because I think. He's part of the new crew, the new the new culture, the team, and um, he seems to be part of that. So, that some of that could break up this summer quite easily if we're trying to go another direction. So, he's one to watch definitely with Mkhitaryan.
1: Yeah, um, I, I agree with all that. Let's let's do this. Let's start to transition towards the end of the podcast, and I think we'd be remiss if we didn't just talk about the Europa League group stage experience. Now having a couple of seasons of it, and Paul, I. I don't think I ever really appreciated how poor the quality this competition was. I mean, sporting, I believe are undefeated and, and have won all their games against the other teams in this group aside from us. And they have been in the two games we played them among the worst sides we've played in a decade. And so I mean,
2: their supporters attacked them during the summer. I was surprised our supporters didn't attack them last night.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck was that? Yeah. Um, I just—I don't I don't know what to say about them other than they are shambles. And I realize, you know, they've lost players and they're a club in transition, but they had no ambition in either game. This competition is not good at the group stage. And I know Tim Stillman, uh, who couldn't be here for this episode, but who was tweeting about the competition, just said, these group stages need to be put in the bin and, and it needs be to be a straight knockout. It sure seems that way. I mean, for you— where where do you stand on just the caliber of this competition? Certainly, at the group stage and the the value of it existing whatsoever.
2: It's shit. Uh, they got to restructure it so that it's meaningful. I mean, uh, I don't know what it is for a for a team like Arsenal no, not to be too snobby. Um, there has to be something beyond Champions League, which has its own issues, and Europa League. I mean, even last year in the knockout stages, it didn't get interesting till maybe the. The quarterfinal,
1: semifinal stage. I mean, the Carabao Cup is genuinely better than this. You get to see some young kids. You get to see a team that wants to try to beat you. And you get to pay $10 for a ticket, 10 pounds for a ticket, or 5 pounds for a ticket, whatever it is. I don't know how you're supposed to sell out 60,000 seats for this caliber of opposition and teams that don't care to beat each other. And, and, you know, the only incident in the match is a horrific injury. I, I don't know how you salvage this.
2: Yeah, the only thing this competition was ever good for was making fun of Spurs, and that's not very funny at the moment.
1: No, I mean, it is funny that they don't have a stadium and they play yeah. on an NFL pitch and they're yeah. going to be in the Europa League momentarily if they get enough points in their group to qualify for the Europa League. <laughs> Clive, I mean, as as far as you're concerned, is this basically the bottom of the footballing barrel?
3: I think we we got away with it last year um, because... We made a lot of money because we were the only team in the Europa League, and so... We actually made more money than Manchester United made in the Champions League last season by getting to Europa League uh, semi-final. So we got away with it, but we won't get away with it this year with Chelsea in there and and potentially other teams coming down. So the money is really going to be a differential. And what this is all about, Elliot, it's all about making money in these group games. How can we get fixtures turned over? How can we get TV rights? Forget about the fans that pay to go through the door. They they might get one decent group game, and that's it, and the rest is all about waiting till the turn of the year when when the competition really starts. And we're throwing an extra knockout round in there as well just to make people work hard. I mean, it's a... I, and you could say the same for the Champions League on a slightly lesser extent. I mean, some of those groups are not very exciting. Some of them are exciting. So, and we've been in, we've played Olympiacos how many times the last few years? It's not that great, right? So, um, so it's but it's all about money. It's all about money and positioning and positioning for the potential eventual Super League and making sure your brand is out there in the European in the European world. And that's what's happening with football at the moment. So, um. Not exciting, but it's a means to an end, right? Potentially, if you win it, which can be very difficult, we know what that leads to. It leads to the other competition where you can get lots of money for for very average group game. So this is a football problem, not just a Europa League problem.
1: Okay, well said. So let's let's transition now to just a quick look at the weekend, and I'm talking just a couple of minutes here, and then we'll say goodbye. Um, Paul, it's, it's Wolves at the weekend. They are a team in England that plays in the Premier League. Uh, they are off to a pretty good start to life. <laughs> You freely. don't know where they are, do you? Well, they wander. St- they're they're wanderers, right. so they're wherever <laughs> you find them out. next. And I know out. I know they'll be in London at the weekend. Um, yes. they, they're from Wolverhampton, is where they're from. Yeah. Okay, uh, clearly. I mean, what what more is there to know about Wolverhampton Wanderers than they're from Wolverhampton and they wander? I don't, yeah. I don't know Good what path. else you need to know. Um, uh, how big a test do you expect this to be at home?
2: Uh, well, hopefully not. I mean, they're, they've been very good, but they've been attacking, as I understand it. I've watched very little of them. Uh, so hopefully it's a decent game. Um, our, you know, we're, we're coming off the Liverpool game. On the other hand, we've had that damp squid of a Europa League game and the Danny thing. Um, so, but, I mean, the crowd really got behind us for Liverpool. Um if they can lift us again because we might need a tone set early in the game against uh, coming off the Europa League game, if, if they can get behind us and uh, Wolves come and, and play a little football, hopefully we can get some momentum going and keep that energy going. So, But I would think there's no reason we shouldn't be flying except against lesser teams our stats have not been that exciting and our first, first halves have been a little slow. So I think that's the most interesting aspect of this game. Have we turned a corner in terms of how much we produce and display in a game and how we start a first half? Because we came at uh, Liverpool like a train uh, right from the get-go and we pressed up front as you correctly predicted. Um, So is this a turning point in how we attack all, all teams that come to the Emirates or will we be a little bit more conservative against a lesser team um, now that the Liverpool game is behind
1: us? I'll so, tell you this much. They play with a back yeah. three, and if they try that shit against us, they're going to get run. I, that yeah. That's not going to work for them at all. Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know if they kind of do it like a flat five at the back, which maybe is a little different. But if they play the 3-4-3 three, three against us and we go with Lacazette and Aubameyang, they're going to get beat to shit. Clive, any thoughts on that?
3: yeah I think um, Wolves are, we maybe you know, sometimes you time it if we had played them a little while ago when they played Manchester United late September I think um, it might be a bit tougher as we were still forming but they've lost their last three and they're playing us and they have a break and uh, I think they play Huddersfield after the break at home. So this is a game that they will be thinking, what can we get out of this? Let's have two weeks off and let's reset. They were the team that you know one of the surprise teams early on. I think they are obviously they're well funded. They've got a great system going on there with um with the agent Ronaldo's agent, his name just slipped me, but um, but yeah, let's see what they do. I am not worried about them. I think we need this badly. I think we've had a great start, to, you know, great start to season as a whole, but we've had a couple of little slips lately. You could say, um, from a point accumulation perspective. So let's get those points back in right now especially when United are playing Man City for example we need to make sure we stay ahead of them and despite Spurs actually struggling to put one foot in front of the other they keep stealing wins and they stole a win from Wolves in the last mm-hmm. game so I think this is very important for accumulation have a two week break a lot of our players don't go away although I saw Leno get called up for Germany so a few more are getting called up but then we go into the real crunch of season mm-hmm. after international break
1: I'm not too worried about a goalkeeper getting called up, though. I mean, that's the one position where you think the extra games and the confidence of being an international could help yeah, him. So, yeah, good
3: for
1: him. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. I mean, he's not going to be running running around much. Um, let's leave it there. If you're on Patreon, you know, you get Tim's match preview, which would be a damn sight better than what you just heard. If you're not on Patreon, get on there and get <laughs> that. Otherwise, you can just stick with this. This Garbage that passes for analysis, Jesus Christ. No, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It was really good. It was really, really good, and I'm really proud of everybody. Good job by all of us for coming on here and diligently doing a podcast after the absolute pile of steaming shit that was the Europa League. Um, and there's two more games in the group, and we have to do podcasts for both of them. Oh, boy. Anyway, uh we love you. We really do appreciate you. We are so thrilled to have you, um, and we, in no way, we're just trying to half-ass this podcast. Pause on Twitter, pause into my pants. Thanks, Pause. Woohoo! Uh, Clive's on Twitter, Clive PFC Thanks, Clive. Thank you very much. My name's Elliot Smith. Give us a five star review. Write nasty things about us in the comments. You can block me on Twitter, Yankee Gunner. Sign up on Patreon if you would be so kind, and you will get great content, including in the spotlight, Granite Shack. And next week, don't want to miss it. If you don't want to sign up, we still love you and we appreciate you and thank you. Thank you, thank you. Uh, We'll try to sneak in a halftime show maybe for the Wolves game at the weekend. No promises, but certainly something we'll target. And please visit our friends at enclosedlingerie.com before Paul gets a word in edgewise. We love you. We will talk to you after Arsenal 10, Wolves nil.